All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see each of you uh, here today. Uh, my name is Ethan. I am one of the pastors here. And uh, today is a, a really special day uh, for a, a few different reasons. And so I want to lay out a few of those reasons real quickly. Um, today is a special day, uh, first of all, um, because it is Mother's Day. <laughs> and so um, I know that we have a lot of people in this room who fall into that category. And um, also, just out of curiosity, how many of you are mothers and you happen to be here, you're, tra- you're here, you're traveling uh, in order to see uh, a child that just graduated or order to be in town. Just raise your hand if you're from out of town this morning with us. Okay, yeah, yes, yes, several, several of you. Well, um, yeah, we just are thankful that you're here um, and want to say, uh, and just want to say to every mom, uh, every mom in the room uh, today, if it were not for you, we would not be here. <laughs> So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Can we put our hands together one more time for all the moms? And yeah, Amen. So here, here's the second reason why today is, is, is fairly special. Um, tomorrow is, is May 8th, and tomorrow marks the two-year anniversary uh, that my family moved to Wilmington. We packed up our bags and loaded it up into, I had a 26-foot a moving truck as well as a 12-foot trailer behind. My wife has a lot of stuff. And uh, two years ago, uh, tomorrow will be, will be the day, our anniversary of, of moving in here when we, when we moved into town. And so it's just been such a cool weekend for us. Mother's Day uh, yesterday was the, um, was the one-year birthday of our daughter, Claire, Claire Bear. It's she, she turned one on Friday, and so we had a big party for her Saturday morning. She's our, some of you know she's our miracle baby. You know, we weren't sure if she was actually going to, to make it after a few weeks when she was born, and so she was here. So it's just been a, a really cool weekend for us. Um, this weekend is special for us for that reason. Here's, here's the third reason why um, uh, today is special. Uh, we, we have a special guest uh, speaker here today who is with us, one of my good friends, a guy named Pastor Jay, who is with us. And Pastor Jay and I, we went to college together. And we were both in, in Bible college, and so which means we sat through many of the same classes together. Uh, we heard each other's sermons. We picked on each other. We made jokes about each other. Tried to do better sermons than one another. And so we, we've known each other for, for quite some for a number of years. And so he's here. He he has a, a bachelor of theology from Pensacola Christian College. And then he as well has a master of ministry from of biblical counseling from Luther Rice Seminary. And so right now, currently, he is the lead pastor or the church planner. Uh, for a new church that is starting this fall in Charleston called Paradox Church. And so he's starting a brand new church, and he is, um, he's been in all sorts of different kinds of ministry roles for a, a number of years, including uh, pastoring, assistant pastoring, campus pastor. And so he and his family, uh, who, he's from the Bahamas actually, uh, he and his family got a vision from God just a few years ago to move to Charleston, and then God worked in them to start a brand new church in, in Charleston. And so he's currently on staff at, uh, as a teaching pastor at the Journey Church in Charleston, and then he has a couple of, some of his family who's here today, uh, his, his wife, Jessica, who they've been married for 10 wonderful years, I hear. And then as well, he has his two uh, kids here, uh, Jayla Lachey, who is eight, and then as well, uh, JJ, who is five. And I, I told him, I said, hey, they can be in here with us. And he's like, let's just keep them in bridge kids for the morning. Trust me. All right? So they're over there, and I hear they're, ma- they're causing a lot of chaos o- over there. Um, well, uh, here's two reasons why I wanted Pastor Jay to be with us uh, today. Um, well, I guess three reasons. One, he, he looks good. So that, that's, that's one. Um, here are the other two reasons, too. Um, he is uh, planting a church, a brand new church. And we believe as a church that 
church planning is a, is a big deal. It's important. I don't know if you knew this or not, but every church in the history of the world at one point was a church plant. At one point was a new church. And, and we believe from the scriptures that, that God's mode, his method, his means of seeing the gospel spread across the entire world and in the cities where the gospel is, is through the multiplication and the replication of new churches. And statistics even show us that the way that most people come to faith in Christ are through new churches. And so he's partnering a brand new church, and we're partnering with him. Uh, he's rather planting a brand new church, and we're going to be partnering with him and helping them as they start later this fall in Charleston. Um, and then as well, here's, this, here's the last reason why, here's the third reason why I invited him to be here. He's not only planting a church, he's planting a multi-ethnic church. So they have a vision from day one to be a church, to start a church of all sorts of different colors of people, of ages of people, demographics of people, to be in a church. And we just believe that that's what, the way that the church is supposed to be. And he's going to share a little bit about that today. But we believe that when we get to heaven, you're not going to show up and go to the white church in heaven. <laughs> You're not going to go to a black church in heaven, an Asian church, whatever. You're going to go to Jesus' church, which is all sorts of different kinds of people from different backgrounds, different ethnic groups, uh, different social economic statuses, different generations all coming together as one body. And we believe that's what the church should be now. And so I'm just so excited that, that they're going to be starting a brand new church and then a multi-ethnic church in all, of all cities doing that in Charleston. And so we, I believe this is a God thing, and I believe that he really has a word for us here today. So I want us, as, um, as Bridge Church family, the best you can, the biggest heartfelt welcome for uh, Pastor Jay as he comes and brings the word this morning. All right, good morning, Bridge. How you guys doing this morning? Good. Happy Mother's Day, mothers, once again. Happy Mother's Day. Let's, let's put our hands together for mothers. Thank you, Pastor Ethan, once again for having me to come and share today. I'm excited about it. Uh, I, I think one of the other reasons that he, that he asked me to come is so that we could continue to pick on each other. He wanted to pick on my sermon today. That's why he invited me. Hey, we went to college together four years. We sat next to Watkins and Walsh. So we sat next to each other in a lot of classes, right? So I was looking at our yearbook, and I, I saw a picture of the yearbook, and I want to show you guys this. Do you, do you recognize anyone? Yeah. How, how, do, give, me, give me another picture. Get, get, show me another picture. One more picture. Okay, one, one more picture. One more picture. Yeah! That is a cool-looking picture right there. So that's 11 years ago. We graduated in 2005 from, from Pensacola Christian College together. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Pastoral Ministries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's happy. Look at that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, I'm excited to share with you guys today um, a, a little bit about our story. Uh, as Pastor Ethan mentioned, we are in Charleston, South Carolina. Our family moved there three years ago. My wife is originally from Charleston. Uh, we met in Bible College as well, in Pensacola Christian College. And uh, for the last seven years prior to moving to Charleston three years ago, we had been in the Bahamas, where I'm from, and uh, pastored a church there, uh, planted a church there. It's still going on, has new leadership, and we're excited about what God is doing there. But when we moved to Charleston, uh, I, I just wasn't prepared for it, to be honest with you. I wasn't prepared. wasn't prepared for Charleston. I visited a whole lot, and I, you know, we'd, we'd been visiting for several years. And, but when, when I went to Charleston, we moved to Charleston, there's something I wasn't prepared for, 
And, and, and when it came to church, I didn't realize that I'd have to choose an either a white church or a black church. Can I, can I say that? I, I didn't realize I had to choose between a white or a black church. And I, I, I didn't want to go to a white church. I mean, I didn't want to go to a black church, but that didn't mean I wanted to be a part of a white church either. It was like, I just want to be a part of a church, a church that reflected the city, a church that looked like the city. And I was talking to one of my mentors, Pastor Miles in New England, and he said, Jay, perhaps the reason why God sent you there is to start that. And we began to ponder, began to pray about that and see what God would have us to do. And then, if you, don't, if you remember, early last year, Walter Scott was shot in the back nine times by a, by a North Charleston police officer. Kind of, there was chaos in our city. Then, three months later, Reverend Clemente Pinckney, the pastor of Emmanuel AME Church, and eight of his parishioners, while in church, eight of, nine of them died. And just out of that, the burden became clear for our city. There was urgency around that. And you know, one of the great things in our city that's happened as a result is not only me, but there's others that see the vision as well and recognize the need for it. You know, oftentimes, when we as church planners have a vision, we feel the vision is, a lot of times the people in our church and people in our circle feel as if the vision is just for us. It's just our vision. And, but I believe that the vision for the city needs to be owned by each and every one of us. I mean, that the vision isn't just Pastor Ethan's vision. The vision for Wilmington, it's your vision. It's, it's our vision. And together, God has called us to impact that. And so I just want to impact that a little bit for us. I'll be jumping into Acts chapter 16 and a few verses from there. We've already heard it, so I just want to read a few verses to jump off at the very beginning. But before I do it, I, I just want to let you know. I want to help you help me, right? I want to help you help me help you. That make sense? Okay, so when, when I started preaching right before we went off to Bible college, I was just about 17, first time preaching. They asked me to preach. I didn't know what I was doing, so I jumped up there and just, you know, started preaching. And I preached at an old church, an old traditional church. And you know in old traditional churches, they, they, they say amen, right? Like, like they shout at the preacher. They talk back to the preacher. Anybody you grew up like that, you know about that type of church? Where they talk back to you? Yeah, so listen, I grew up in a church, and they, they would talk back to the preacher. It's like, wait a minute, who's talking? One at a time, please, right? They talk back to the preacher. And so when I began to preach, they would talk back to me, and I kind of I liked it. You know, they'd say, amen, brother. They'd say, preach, preacher. And I'm like, yes, I will. I will do that. I will do that. I will try my very best to do so. And so, so I will clear my throat. <clears> throat> They'll be like, that's good, that's good. I'm like, I didn't even say anything. But you know what? As a result of that, I kind of got used to it. And I now know that I tend to take a little longer to preach if I don't get that type of feedback. <laughs> so I'm going to... I'm going to need you to help me help you today. Can I get an Amen. Amen. We're in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says this, starting at verse number 9. The Bible says this, A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's lift up our time together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, once again, we... 
we thank you for the privilege of sharing your unchangeable word. Father, I said you'd use it now to challenge us, that you'd use it to change us, and that you'd use it to conform us into your image. Father, I ask now that whatever burden, whatever concern, whatever challenge, whatever issue that we came in here with today, that we do as your word says, that we lay it down at your feet, that we cast all our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. Father, I pray for the individual that is just distracted with some care, some, some pressure. Father, I ask that you would, you would even penetrate through those thoughts, that you'd declare your word in their hearts and in their lives. Father, I pray against the distractions of the enemy. Lord, I just pray that you would have your will in your way in this moment, in this time, and that your word would go forth for the purpose in which it is sent forth to accomplish. Father, we love you and we praise you. Bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so the first thing in, in the text here, as I, as I as again to unpack, we talk about division, right? The Bible says this in the beginning. It says, the vision appeared to Paul, a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul had seen the vision. Immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called him to preach the gospel there. The, the first thing that I see about the vision that Paul had is that Paul has a clear vision. The, the vision is pretty clear. How many of you at night, you have, you have vision of dreams? You dream at night. You, you have dreams at night? How many of you clearly, you could remember what you dreamed? Like you could clearly, how many of you can clearly interpret it as well? You can, no, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I have dreams all the time. And I, I tell you what, I, I have the craziest dreams that you could imagine. Like my dreams don't make any sense. It's like I wake up in the morning, one, I can't remember half of the dream. One time I'm in Afghanistan, next time I'm in Paris, next time I'm, it's like well, the dreams don't even make sense, right? It's like, is it the peaks that I had last night? I, what, what, what's going on? Dreams, and I just can't figure it out. It's not clear. Well, well, Paul had this vision, and his vision's pretty clear. His vision's clear. The Bible says he sees a man of Macedonia standing there. He has a clear dream. He has a vision of a man who's standing there urging him to come. And the question is this, who has God given you or been trying to give you a clear vision for? Who has God been trying to give you a vision for, a clear vision for? Do you see someone that is close to you but far from God, that God is wanting to give you a vision for? Is it someone, a co-worker, a family member? Is it, is it broken hearts, ruined lives, failed marriages, and lost jobs that God is trying to give you a vision for? Is it for a neighborhood or a community that needs assistance? A better question is this, who is your man of Macedonia? Who, who is the man of Macedonia that God is trying to give you a vision for that needs to be reached? Who is your man of Macedonia? You know, Paul had to go overseas to reach the man of Macedonia. Perhaps the man of Macedonia for you isn't overseas. Perhaps your man of Macedonia is someone across the city, someone across the counter where you shop, someone across the cubicle where you work, someone around the curb where you live. Who is your man of Macedonia? Who is it that God has given you a clear vision for? And perhaps you've had multiple opportunities to share and build a relationship, but you haven't taken the next step. But perhaps God is saying, I want that to be your man of Macedonia, someone who I'm giving you a vision for, someone who is close to you but far from me, that needs the gospel, that needs the good news, that can change their lives. Who is your man of Macedonia? Who's your man or your woman? of Macedonia, that, that, that God has given you a clear vision for. And perhaps you're thinking it's a coincidence. 
Perhaps you're thinking, man, I, I keep on seeing you. I keep on, I keep on getting in contact with you. Perhaps God has given you a clear vision for them. Who's your man of Macedonia? The, Paul's vision is clear. The, not, not only is it clear, but Paul's vision is compelling. The, the Bible says this, and a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come to Macedonia and help us. He's urging him. He's employing him. He's practically begging him. And that's a compelling vision. The compelling vision is the need that God, that, that the, the, the man of Macedonia presents, that he needs him. I need you. I'm urging you. I'm begging you to come. You see, the reality is this, that we all have a God-side void, in, God-side void inside of each and every one of us. And oftentimes we try to fill that void with things of the world like sex and, and pleasure and worldliness and drugs and alcohol and material goods and achievements and money and relationships and, and even doing good works and social involvement. But the reality is this, the only thing that can fill a God-sized void in our lives is God himself. And so people are urging us and people are leading, people are, are, are begging for something and perhaps they don't even know what they're begging for. That the man of Macedonia was just saying, come, just, 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 just come and help us, come and help us. Notice this, that is not the responsibility for them to come to us, but for us to go to them. Now, now Paul didn't say, hey, man of Macedonia, if you want some of this, you got to come over here. <laughs> if you want to hear the good news, you, listen, I hear you, but we're over here, we're, we're, we're over here, you need to come over here. Paul didn't do that. Paul, the vision was compelling enough that Paul did something about it. Listen, their responsibility is not to come to us, it's our responsibility to go to them. You know, the great evangelist, Freddie Gage, he, he talked about going to two different churches as, a time of, as an evangelist. Two different churches with two completely different stories. One church was, I mean, was growing. I mean, it was, it was bursting out scenes. There were new people coming. There were lives that were being changed. I mean, they were doing baptisms. I mean, it was, it was almost like the bridge church he was talking about. I mean, it was a great church doing great things. And the other church was, was dying. The, the difference was one had a huge sign. Huge sign. Do you know which one that was? That was the church that was dying. The church that had a huge sign outside that said all are welcome. That church was dying. The other church that was growing, that was thriving, that was making a difference had a sign as well, but their sign was a little smaller. Matter of fact, their sign was a little less visible. Matter of fact, their sign could only be seen on the inside. And as people left, there was a sign above the door that said, you are now entering the mission field. That church was growing, that church was thriving because the people understood that it wasn't the job for just people to come to them, but it was their job to go to the people and bring them in. You see, we've got to understand the compellingness of it, that people are waiting on us, that are urging us to say, come and help me. There are people that you know that are close to you but far from God that are just waiting on you to share the good news with them that are saying, come and help us, that are urging you, that are begging you, that are imploring with you to come and help them. And perhaps they're doing it not by, with their words but through their actions because they're drowning in debt, debauchery, and different things in their life. And they're saying, come, come and help us. You know, I'm glad that Paul didn't say, hey, come over here. He went and shared the gospel. And because of that, going over to Europe, we recognize that the track of it, if we track history, because Paul went, 
that we now have the gospel in the Western Hemisphere and we have the gospel in America because Paul decided to go. You will be amazed at the lives that will be changed when you decide to go. You'll be amazed at the family tracks, the family uh, trees, the family heritage, the family legacies that can be changed when you decide to go. So, so, So Paul had a vision and his vision was clear. His vision was compelling. But thirdly, Paul's vision was concluding. The Bible says this, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach there. You see, the reality is this. Not only is the vision clear, not only is it compelling, but the vision is concluding because here it is, the vision requires action. And Paul didn't wait. Paul didn't say, man, that's a good vision. Somebody should do that. I mean, I, listen, let's pray for the man of Macedonia. I saw a vision of him, and man, it's, it's rough over in Macedonia. Let's pray for Macedonia. Paul didn't do that. Paul, Paul thought immediately to go there, concluding that God had called them to go there. You know, it requires action. Even if that action takes us out of our comfort zone. Even if that action removes us from where we're comfortable. You know, the, the, the challenge for many of us when, we, when we're in a city, the challenge is to think, man, I'm, I'm not even from there. I'm not, I'm not even, that's not even my city. I mean, that's, that's not even where I'm from. And the challenge is to get out of your comfort zone and understand that if you are here, that you are to grow where you're planted and that God has you here for a purpose. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 29, the verse that we talk about that says, I have a plan for you before that, we understand that the children of Israel, God's chosen people, they're in bondage. And God says, listen, I have sent you into Babylon. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to build houses. I want you to get married. I want you to bless the city. And as you bless the city, you're going to be blessed as well. For I know the plans I have towards you, plans to give you hope, a future, and expected end. The vision requires action, even if it costs us something. Even if there's a, a price associated with us. You know, David Livingston, the first man to take the gospel into the heart of Africa, said this. I must open a way to the interior of Africa or perish. David Livingston said, it's do or die. Either this is going to happen or I'm going to die, but I'm going to go anyway. J. Hudson Taylor, the pioneer missionary to China, said this, I feel as though I cannot live if something is not done for China. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said, Oh God, what can I say? Souls, 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 my heart hungers for souls. The reality is this. We can't afford to be comfortable singing our songs and having our times of fellowship when Wilmington is on their way to hell. We can't get comfortable in this environment and, and, and I don't like that song, I don't like that song when there are people that don't have a savior. Paul said, 
I got to go. Paul said, I got to do something about it. And I trust that God is calling you to the city for the city and giving you a vision for people that are saying, come and help us. Come and help us. I'm praying that God will give you a clear vision, a compelling vision, and a concluding vision that you would go. You see, the reality is this. We often say this, that we believe that the church is the hope of the world. That's why we believe in church planting, right? We believe in church planting because we believe the churches, uh, when they're planted, they reach new people that other churches wouldn't reach. And listen, we believe that the church is God's plan A. God, 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 God gave the church as the hope of the world. And if that is true, that means that the Bridge Church is the hope of Wilmington. That you are God's plan A for this city. Your plan A. Look at somebody and say, your plan A. Your plan A. Your plan A. Look at somebody and say, your plan A. See, the reality is this. God doesn't have a plan B. He has a plan A, and he chooses to use you and I to be plan A. He chooses you and I to be the hope of the world. He chooses you and I to be the hope of the city. He chose you to be the hope of Wilmington. I like that. I'm going to preach. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Let me, let me get to this next point. I'm coming there. You're the hope of Wilmington. So, so we see the, the, the vision, but let's look at the venture. The Bible says in verse 11, so setting sail from Troas, they made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there had been a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. You see, Paul and Silas, they jump into the boat, and they go over the sea, and they begin this new venture. Verse 11 says it was a direct voyage, a straight line, a beeline. And it says they arrived the next day, making a cross in one day. Now, how is that significant? What does that mean? If you look at the, the geog geography of that, we understand some things about that. Because in Acts chapter 20, verse 6, it tells us that on the way back, they took the same voyage and it took them five days. That, that exactly what took them one day took them five days on the way back. And I believe that when they stepped out on faith and they stepped out and believed God and they stepped out on the vision that God had given them, that God said, if you're going to step out, I'm going to blow some wind within your sails and I'm going to get you there faster. I'm going to accelerate you. I'm going to push you forward because you're deciding to step out on faith. It's like God was saying, when you move, I'll move just like that. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, the amazing thing about it is this. I, I, I shared this with Pastor Ethan. I want to share this with you guys. There's a church that moved out of the neighborhood that we're seeking to plant 12 years ago. 12 years ago, they moved out because the area kind of changed. You know, the area changed. And, and they moved out into the suburbs. And for several years, they, they allowed an Hispanic church to be there for several years. And for three years, three and a half years, the place has just been vacant. The place has just been vacant, a church building just sitting there. Last year, God put it in their heart to start to renovate the building. They sold a portion of their land, and they started to renovate it. And they put $150,000 renovating it, putting in new chairs, new ceiling, new, new carpet, new stage, everything. 
And they didn't know why they were renovating it. They just felt God was calling them to renovate it. At the same time, God was working in my heart. And at the same time I was wrestling, I was saying, God, I need a place. I need a place. I need a sign from you. I need you to show me. And the minute I said, I'm going to step out in faith, I believe God started to move, the, blow the wind into the sails of River Bluff Church to say, we need to start preparing this area. We need to start preparing this building. We need to start preparing this church because God wants to do something here. And it wasn't until I took a step of faith that I believed that God said, if you're going to move, I'm going to move just like that on your behalf. I want to let you know that the minute you take a step of faith, that God's going to take a step of faith with you. I want you to know that what is happening here at the Bridge Church is not normal. I want you to know what God is doing here is not normal. I mean, for a church plan that's only two years, this is not normal, what God is doing here at the Bridge Church. I want you to look at somebody and I want you to mean it. Tell them this is not normal. Yeah, this, this, this ain't normal. This ain't normal. This ain't normal. And I believe because of the faith of some to say we're going to move into Wilmington, I believe there have been people that were waiting on it. I believe that some of you, you are the recipient of, of the vision that God put into someone to move into a city and that you were waiting on them. And there are others that are waiting as well. There's nothing in the world like experiencing that you can experience like doing the will of God. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like the joy and the peace and the contentment that you will have from doing the will of God. That God always make provision for his vision. And sometimes we're so anxious and we're saying, God, I don't know how you're going to provide. I don't know how you're going to open the door. I don't know how you're going to do it. And God's saying, that's my job. Can you just do yours? I got, I got this from my end. Can you do your part? The first church... In Europe, it started in Philippi, and we see how it got started. The Bible says that when they went there, they found a group of, of women praying by the river. Verse 12 and 13 says it was just a little prayer meeting, just a group of women. Women. When I, when I read that at first, I was kind of baffled, right? And I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure Paul was as well. Paul, Paul, in his vision, he saw a man of Macedonia, right? When he gets there, there's a group of women. So I'm sure Paul was like, Siri, Siri, am I in the right place? I, I, I'm sure he was confused about it, right? Am I in the right place right now? Like, this, this, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. He sees, he sees a group of, of women. And that's just the way God is sometimes. But, but, but let me show you this. Let me add to this. If you remember something about the start of the European church, Paul the Apostle, prior to salvation, was a Pharisee. And every day, a Pharisee, when he woke up, would pray three things, and he would thank God for three things. Now, I've got to admit, I've prayed one of them before, okay? I've prayed one of them. The, the first thing that he would wake up in the morning and he would pray is that a Pharisee would wake up in the morning and he would pray. He would say, God, I thank you that I am not a woman. Now, I have two kids. I've prayed that twice. When my wife was pregnant, I've prayed... God, I thank you I'm not a woman twice. Uh, happy Mother's Day, by the way. Happy Mother's Day. But I, I prayed that twice. I'm like, God, I thank you. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, thank you, God. I respect you, mothers. I respect you. Listen, I was there. I did not fall out. I did not pass out. I'm proud of myself, but I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my wife as well. And so I prayed it twice, right? Amen. I prayed it twice. 
yeah, amen. The, the second thing that they would pray was, God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. And thirdly, they would pray, God, I thank you that I'm not a slave. And if you look at when they went to Europe, when you look at Europe, the first three converts, you know what they were? The first one was a woman. The second one was a slave girl. And the third one was a Gentile. You know, isn't that just like God? To break down our walls of prejudice and bigotry? That God will, 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 will do something different. And I believe that God wants to do something different in Wilmington. I believe that God wants to do something different through the Bridge Church. Far beyond the expectations, far beyond the dream and the vision God even gave Pastor Ethan and the elders of this church. That God wants to do something even bigger than what they believed that they came to Wilmington to do. I believe God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask, think, or even imagine. And that's what the Bible says. And I'm believing that for the Bridge Church that God will do something greater than you could even ask, think, or even imagine in this city as you reach it. That God is able to do that. And so we see, first and foremost, we see the, the, the vision that God gave them. We see the, the voyage, and thirdly, we see the victory. The Bible says this in verse 14. And one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Tharathara, a cell of purple, a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. The first thing I see about Lydia's heart is that she had an opportune heart. The Bible says that she heard us. That means that she was, she was ready. She, she was ready. Her heart was, her heart was fertile. She was ready to be saved. The Bible says that she was a seller of purple, which was used for, for, for a lot of things in the day, but one of the things it was used for was it was used for, for, for the business of designer clothing. So I guess you could say that she was the Versace or the Gucci of her day, right? You see, only the rich and royal could wear purple in those days. The purple dye came from a shellfish, and one shellfish will only yield one drop of purple dye. And so therefore, purple, that symbol of royalty, it, it was very expensive, it was very, it was very prestigious. And because of that, Lydia was a woman who had influence, she had prestige, but yet she still had a hunger in her heart. You see, the things that really matter in life, they can't be bought. The, the things that really matter in life, you, you, you can't buy it. That even though she had prestige and influence and money and resources, there was still an emptiness in her heart. Because what really matters, you can't buy in a store. You see, you can buy a house, but you can't buy a home because that really matters. You can buy a bed, but you can't buy sleep because that really matters. You can buy a clock, but you can't buy time. You can buy a book, but you can't buy brains. You can buy food, but you can't buy an appetite. You can buy a position, but you can't buy respect. 
You can buy medicine, but you can't buy health. You can buy people, but you can't buy friends. You can buy insurance, but you can't buy safety. You can buy amusement, but you can't buy happiness. You can buy religion, but you can't buy salvation. You can buy a good life, but not eternal life. You can buy a crucifix, but you can't buy salvation. You can buy a ticket to anywhere except heaven. Because the things that really matter cannot be bought. You see, there are people that are looking, there are people that are hungry, there are people that are designing what you have. You see, because it can't be bought. What you have can't be found at the mall. It can't be found at the beach. It can't be found in the mountain. It's only found in the presence of God. And I want to let you know that what you have needs to be shared with others. Because they're saying, come and help us. Come, come and help us. I need some of what you got. She had an open heart. You see, we can open the doors of the church. We can open even scriptures, but only God can open the heart. You see, there's a divine side of salvation. There's a human side. The Bible says that she said, she paid attention to what was said. She recognized the need. And many today do not. Some people think that, that they have time or they don't think about the Lord unless there's a sense of danger. That's why we have to teach and preach the gospel, the good news of truth, of heaven and hell, of salvation and eternity. You know, some of us, there's a time in my life that I always thought, man, I've got time. Good message. I get it. Later. I, I, I get it, but I'll, I'll, I'll be the messenger later. Or perhaps you're someone and you, you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, you never accepted Christ, and you're saying, I'll do that later. You know, as I was, as I was thinking about church planting and thinking about Charleston and I was thinking about the city, I'm like, man, I'm, one day we're going to plant a church here. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do something great here. And then on June 17th, everything, everything changed for me. You know, I thought about the fact that Reverend Pinckney, when he walked into his church for Bible study that Wednesday night in Charleston, that not for one moment did he think that this is probably my last time here. These are my last moments on earth. And never would he thought that I'm going into Bible study and tonight is going to be the night. You know, my dad often, as a preacher, you often share a story about a guy that, that, that death knocked on his door. Death knocked on his door and, and he said, hey, I'm death, I'm, I'm, here, to, I'm here to take you. And he said, well, wait, wait a minute, death, wait a minute, you're here to take me? He said, yep, yep. He showed him the list. He said, your, your name is on the top of the list. You're on the top of the list. He said, death, well, listen, man, I understand that. I don't think I'm ready. But, but Dev, can, can, I, can you come inside and let's have a drink together? Let's have a drink together. Let me, let me, let me sober up. Let me, let, me, let me figure this thing out. And his plan in his mind was to get Death drunk, right? And so he and Death are sitting down and they're, they're lighting it up. They're shot, shot, shot. I mean, they're just doing it, right? They're just having a great time. They're just drinking. And Death passes out on the couch. And he thinks for a moment, he's like, <laughs> I got this. He gets a erase and he... Erases his name from the top of the list. 
goes down to the bottom, the very bottom, puts his name at the very bottom of the list. He said, I got some time now. I got some time. A few hours later, death woke up. He's like, dude, that was an amazing time that we had. Matter of fact, man, it's such an amazing time. Instead of starting at the top of the list, I'm going to start at the bottom. See, the reality is this. When it's our time, it's our time. It's inescapable. We can't run from it. And the Bible says that no man knows the hour or the time. No man knows when it's our time. And so that moment on June 17th, there was an urgency that built up inside of me that something's got to be done and something's got to be done now. And I pray today that there will be some urgency that is built up in you, a fire that is light under you to say, I've got to do something and I've got to do something now for the city. She had an opportune heart. Finally, she had an overflowing heart. She said, make my home your base of operation so others may know. Paul opened the scriptures. God opened her heart. And she opened her home. My prayer. My prayer for you today is that God would do something inside of you. That God would work in your heart. That you would see someone in Macedonia, a man of Macedonia, that's saying, come. That you'd be committed for Christ and for community and for the city. No, there's a there's a song that we used to sing growing up, and many of you, you might remember this kind of thing. When I was growing up, they had these, these uh, like, when you used to sing in church, they had, these, they had these books, and you used to have to, they used to call them like hymn. Anybody remember that? Like, when church had books, no screens, like, there was books. Turn to 279. Yeah, that. And there's a song that we used to sing growing up. It's called The Macedonian Call, and it's based on this passage of Scripture. Let me read it real quickly. The Bible says this. I mean, the, the, the song says this. There's a call comes ringing over restless waves. Send the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Send the light. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light. Send the light. And a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light. Send the light. Let us pray that grace may abound everywhere. Send the light, send the light. And Christ-like spirit everywhere be found. Send the light, send the light. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light, send the light. Let us gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light, send the light. Here's the chorus. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let us shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let us shine forevermore. I like to remix that a little bit. It says, send the light. My prayer is a little different. My prayer is that we wouldn't send the light. My prayer is that we'd be the light. That we wouldn't say, God, I want you to send the light. I want you to say, God, I want to be your light. That God, you put me here for a purpose. You have a plan. You have a desire for me. I want to be your light. So I can make an impact for Christ, 
for community and for the city. God, I want to send the light. I want to say, go, hey, hey, God, God, would you send it over there? I want to say, God, use me. That if you could use anyone, if you could use anything, I want you to use me, God. I want to be your light. I want to be your vessel. I want to be used by you because I believe that you've put me here for something much bigger than myself. Listen, Bridge, I believe that the best is yet to come for you. I believe for each and every one of you, the best is yet to come. I believe that God wants to use you in a great and mighty way. But my prayer is that you would be everything that God has called you to be so that you can do everything that he's called you to do for him, for the community, and for the city. Would you consider being the light? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you once again. Thank you for the privilege of being used by you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for just how it challenges us. And Father, I pray that today that we would be your light, that our hearts desire to be everything that you've called us to be so we can do everything that you've called us to do. And Father, I ask that today that we will leave changed and transformed as a result of your word. And we wouldn't say, God, send the light. And we say, God, I want to be the light. In Jesus' name.